Well, we are honored to have you here today. We are going to continue a series that we started together last Sunday. And uh, last Sunday, we began a brand new series entitled Sandcastles. And we began talking about what does it mean to build a life that lasts? How do we build a life that really lasts? And so we began to look in Matthew chapter 7 at our foundational scripture. And Jesus said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded. Y'all say that with me. It was founded on the rock. Say it one more time. It was founded on the rock. Next verse. So, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. So look at our first point. So we asked the question last week. We said, what does it mean to build a life that lasts? If I want to build a life that lasts, what does that mean? Well, first, it means that we build our life on the rock of Jesus Christ so that we will build a life that endures and overcomes the storms of life. So the first thing that has to happen, if I'm going to build a life that's going to last, i got to build a life that can endure and overcome the storms of life. Now, Jesus told us there in Matthew 7, He told us a couple things. Number one, he told us that the storms come to everybody, right? Everybody faces the storms of life. No matter who you are, no matter your background, no matter where you're going in life, everybody faces the storms of life. And last week, we talked about the storms, right? We talked about how the rain comes down. And we said there are those things that come down over our lives that are uncontrollable. It's the decisions that other people make that affect our lives. And then we talked about how the floods come up, and there are things that come up, right? Those unexpected things that you could never plan for, prepare for, and all of a sudden you're confronted with these unexpected dilemmas and challenges in life that begin to beat against your house. And then last but not least, Jesus said, and the wind comes against your house, right? We talked about those uninvited issues, right? The stress, the fear, the worry that begins to beat against our house, trying to cause us to crumble and fall. We recognize last week, according to this scripture, Matthew 7, that the reality is simply this. It's not the strength of your house that determines whether you stand against the storms. It's the strength of your foundation. If you're built on the rock, Jesus said you can stand. If you're building your life on the rock of Jesus Christ, Jesus said, I'll give you the grace, the strength, the ability to not only endure, but overcome the storms of life. We also recognize, if you look at the next point on your outline, we said last week that Christianity is not about being exempt or escaping the storms of life, but it's about building your life on the rock, Jesus Christ. It's about having a relationship with God, right, that empowers you, right? Christianity is about having a relationship with God that empowers you to overcome those storms. Because if you live long enough, You're going to encounter the storms of life, and you're going to encounter a storm that's bigger than you, that's stronger than you, and that will last longer than you. And ultimately, one day in your life, you're going to come to a point where you're going to need a Savior. You're going to need a Redeemer. You're going to need somebody who's stronger than you, bigger than you, mightier than you, that's going to step into your life, and it is only Jesus that can do that, amen? He's the only one that can speak peace to our storm. He's the only one that can calm the chaos of the storms of life and give us grace and peace and strength to press through and come out on the other side with victory. Well, that's the first element of what it means to build a life that lasts. It means building our life on that rock 
of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to talk about a second element or a second ingredient in building a life that lasts. So building a life that lasts also means that we build a life with an eternal perspective. That we build our lives with an eternal perspective. We are a here and now generation, right? We are a right now in this moment generation of people. I'm consistently amazed by how many people I talk to that don't have a plan for next week, much less next year, or much less for eternity, right? I mean, we live in a culture where we're so focused on the here and now that we don't even think about next week or next month, right? We get caught up in the emotions of the, money, of the moment, and we spend money today that should have been saved for tomorrow to pay the bills, Right? You ever been in one of those places? You get caught up in the emotion of the moment. You buy something today out of enthusiasm and excitement, and then you realize tomorrow, man, that was the bill money. <laughs> right? It's crazy how that happens because we all, unfortunately, live in a culture like that. Our whole American society is built and based upon a right now mentality, right? We can't, right? We can't stand to wait for anything, and we really are not good at thinking ahead. The average person lives for the moment instead of for the future. And so if we're going to have a life that lasts, we're going to have to adopt an eternal-minded mentality. We're going to have to have an eternal perspective where we begin to look ahead and realize, let me just give you this great thought today, that this life is not all there is to life. (laughs) This life is not all there is to life. There's more to your life than your life. There's this great thing called eternity. There's this thing called life after death, right? There's this place that we talk about a lot as Christians, right? Place called heaven, right? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of wanting to go there. How about you, right? There's this awesome place called heaven. And unfortunately, even though we talk about heaven, we sing about heaven, and we read our Bible and it talks about heaven, most of us aren't really living our lives with a heavenly mindset or with an eternal perspective that looks beyond the here and the now into the everlasting. And so if we're going to build a life that lasts, that has eternal value, then we're going to have to begin to think ahead and we're going to have to begin to live our lives from an eternal-minded perception where we begin to view our life through the lens of eternity. So we're going to look at some scripture today. Let's, let's go ahead and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're going to kind of just work through this. And I'm going to just kind of teach it as we go, okay? So we're just going to kind of talk through these scriptures as we read through them together today. And we're going to see how significant it is that if I'm going to build a life that lasts, it's not, a, not enough that I endure the storms of this life. I have to be prepared for eternal life. Amen? So let's read this scripture together. Let's look at it with me. The Bible says Paul, the apostle Paul is writing here, and he's he's writing to the Corinthian church, so he's talking to believers. He says, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation Must be very careful. And I put in parentheses the King James. I kind of like the wording there. It says that in the King James it says, He must take heed how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. So first of all, Paul says, Hey, I just want to clarify something. There's only one foundation. 
So if you're building your life on anything other than a personal relationship with God through Jesus, you're building your life on sinking sand. Your life won't last. Not only will you not endure the storms of life, you won't endure eternity. How many know there's an opposite of heaven? It's called hell. And it's a place of eternal damnation, a place of eternal judgment, and a place of eternal separation from all that is good and all that is God. And so Paul says, guys, I want you to understand, first of all, that, hey, we need to recognize there's only one foundation, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. And if you're building your life on anything other than him, you're building your life on sinking sand. But then he says this, if we back up and look at the first of this verse, he says, like a wise master builder, so he's kind of using construction terminology here, like a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and now other people, look what he says, now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. So Paul begins to kind of interject a little mindset here. He's trying to do what we would call paradigm shift in the thinking of the culture. He says, you know what, praise God, when you accepted Christ, you were given a firm foundation through Jesus Christ. And if you want to just imagine it in uh, construction terms or building terms, just imagine it like this. When you got saved, first of all, you got a clean slate. Isn't that good news? Aren't you glad God forgave you of your past? Aren't you glad that old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new to those who are in Christ Jesus? So when you accepted Christ, first of all, you got a clean slate. But let's just imagine it this way. Let's just say that when you got saved, God purchased a piece of property, put your name on it, and laid the foundation stone of his son Jesus there. And then he says, for the rest of your life, I want you to build your life on the rock of my son. I want you to build your life on the rock of my son. So the apostle Paul says, that we ought to be careful how we build. Why? Because how many of you realize how you live your life matters? How you live your life as a Christian matters. How you live matters not only to God. I want you to see something really important. How you live your life is going to matter to you in a really big way. And we're going to see why that is so important. Why Paul is encouraging us here to begin to move and shift to an eternal perspective on how we live our lives. We have to take heed. We have to evaluate how we are living our lives because how we live our life really matters. Let's look at our next uh, scripture here. Let's just move on to the next verse. He says, and anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute, but on the judgment day, the fire will reveal what kind of work each, build, each builder has done, and the fire will show if a person's work has any value. So Paul says this. He says, every day, one day, every believer is going to stand before God, and we're going to give an account to God for what we have built Upon the rock of his son, Jesus Christ. We're going to give an account for the life that we have built upon the foundation stone of Jesus Christ. We are going to be accountable. And our works are going to be tried by fire. Now let me just enlarge that little thought for just a second. Let me go ahead and say this. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about what are eternal works. What are the things we can do daily to Lay up a work that has eternal 
value. So Paul says this. He says, the fire will show if a person's work has any value. So next Sunday, we're going to talk about how do I know what those works are? Because I believe when we get done today, we're all going to be saying, I want to do those works. (laughs) I want to do those things that have eternal value. Now, Paul says this. He says, you have an option. You have, there are a variety of materials that you can build on the rock. He said, you have gold, silver, and jewels, or wood, hay, and straw. And they're going to be tried by fire. Let me just say, those six materials can really be broken down into two categories. Because how many of you understand that when those six materials go into the fire, three of them are going to be imperishable, and three of them are going to perish. Anything that is gold, silver, or precious stone is going to endure the fire. Anything that is wood, hay, or straw is going to be consumed in the fire. So really, you have two choices. As a Christian, you have an opportunity to build your life upon the rock of Jesus Christ, and every, every deed that you do, and let me just expand it a little bit, and every word that you speak, that makes me want to be quiet. Every word that we speak, we're going to give an account to God on the day of judgment. We're going to answer for every word and for every work. And our words and our works are going to be tried by fire. And the fire, the Bible says, is going to reveal if it has any real value. The fire is going to reveal whether our works have real, eternal value. So we have to decide, how am I going to build my life. That's why he says, let's be careful how we build. Now, let's look at the next verse. I want you to see this. And he says this, if the work survives the fire, right, it's imperishable, right, so I can build imperishable works or I can do perishable works. What a tragedy it would be that I would stand before God on the day of judgment and realize that I wasted my whole life. How sad that would be. I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, Jesus is Lord of my life, and I'm building my life on the rock, but for the most of my life, I wasted it. I built wood, hay, and straw. How tragic that would be on that day to know that my works are consumed. But before he says they're consumed, look what he says. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. Somebody say, praise God for a reward. Right? The reward literally means, that word reward literally means compensation for work well done. God's going to compensate you for the work you have done. God is going to reward you for the work you have done. Now look at the rest of this verse. He says, but if the work is burned up, if it's wood, hay, or straw, the builder will suffer great loss. There it is. If we're going to build a life that lasts, We're going to have to live our lives with an eternal perspective. Why? Because our works and our words are all going to be tried by the fire of God's judgment. And on that day of judgment, when we stand before God, our works are going to be tried, and anything that remains we're going to be rewarded for, but anything that is consumed in the fire, the Bible says we will suffer great loss. I just said it. We don't want to come to the end of our life and realize that everything that we labored for And everything that we worked for and everything that we sweated for had no eternal value. We want to make sure that when we stand before God, 
that our works remain. Right? So let's look at uh, the rest of this verse. He says, "In the builder, but the builder will be saved. Somebody say, praise God. Like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Why? Because let me just say this. As a Christian, we're going to be judged on our works to determine our eternal reward. But our works cannot save us. Right? You can't work your way into heaven. You can't be good enough to be saved. You can't give enough, love enough, serve enough, minister enough, do anything enough to earn the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Your sin was so bad, my sin was so bad that it required the blood of Jesus Christ to purchase our salvation. And we are saved only by grace through faith in Him and in Him alone. But we want to make sure that once we get saved and we begin to build our life, that we actually begin to build a life that lasts. A life that has what we're going to call eternal reward. Now, the scripture talks about two judgments, and we're going to talk about that. There are two judgments really defined in scripture. There's the great white throne judgment which determines whether a person is going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. And really, that is really a judgment for unbelievers. If you look in Revelations chapter 20, it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown in the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. The great white throne judgment is really a judgment for unbelievers. It's when the whole world will be gathered before God, and they will be sentenced to eternal damnation and judgment at a place called the lake of fire. It's a place of eternal torment. And this is a judgment for those who don't know Christ, whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. You won't have to stand before the great white throne judgment of God if you're a Christian, if you've been saved, if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. Why? Because the moment you accepted Christ and you committed your life to live for Him, your name was written in the Lamb's book of life, and the, and the, the seal of salvation was placed over your life. But you will be judged. And it's called the judgment seat of Christ. The great white throne judgment is a place where unbelievers are judged and ultimately sentenced to the place of the second death, which is called the lake of fire. But the Bible talks that we as Christians are also going to be judged. But we're not going to be judged on our works based on our salvation, right? We can't earn salvation. We receive salvation as a gift. But guess what happens? Our works matter. How we live as Christians matters. How you live your life matters. It matters to God, and here's what's even more important than that, it matters to you. And we may not realize that it matters to us, but we're going to see that today. So let's look at our next scripture, Romans chapter 14. Paul says this, so why do you condemn another believer, and why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. King James translates that judgment seat of Christ. For the scripture says, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will confess and give praise to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account 
to God. Each of us are going to give a personal account to God. Christians, right? We're believers. And we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ where we are going to give an account to God for how we have lived our Christian life. What did we build on the foundation stone of Jesus Christ? That matters. Let's look at this next verse. I want you to see this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, so whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him, speaking of God. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged, and we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body. We will each receive whatever we deserve. That's kind of scary. Now again, this is not talking about my salvation because I can't earn salvation. I can't work my way into heaven. I can't be good enough to get there. This is talking about me as a believer standing before the judgment seat of Christ to be judged on what I did with the gift of God and what life I built upon the rock of Jesus Christ. What did I do with what God has given me? What kind of life did I build upon the rock of Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? And so I'm going to stand before God and you're going to stand before God if you're a Christian and you're going to give an account and you're going to receive... Whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body, we're going to answer to God for how we lived. Why does that matter? It matters because 1 Corinthians 3 told us that we're going to be rewarded for those things that endure. When we stand before God on that day of judgment, anything that remains, anything that's tested by the fire and makes it through the fire is going to produce a reward. You're going to be compensated for how you lived your life. Again, not talking about earning salvation. Don't anybody go home and say, Pastor Keith said, i got to work my way to heaven. You cannot work your way to heaven. You can't be good enough to get there. If you can be good enough to get there, then the blood of Jesus has no value. He died in vain. How many know he didn't die in vain? It requires his sacrifice for us to be saved. But once we are saved, then we are now accountable to God for the life that we built upon the rock of Jesus Christ. And so I have to begin to live my life with an eternal perspective that begins to evaluate, that measures what I'm doing. So let's look at the first or the next point on your outline. I want you to see this. So just really simple. What you build in the temporal determines how you will live in the eternal. Your earthly life determines your eternal reward. What you build in the temporal determines what you, how you will live in the eternal. Your eternal life, your earthly life, I'm sorry, determines your eternal rewards. Now let me just uh, give you a little illustration here today. Let's just imagine that this rope represents your life. So this rope represents your life, this rope represents my life, and let's just imagine that if this rope represents our lives, then this little blue part of the rope, everybody see that little blue part? Can y'all see that? That this little blue part of the rope represents my earthly life. It represents my 80 years here on earth. And what I do in my earthly life determines the quality of my eternal life. What I do in the temporal 
determines how I'm going to live in the eternal. Now, heaven is going to be heaven for everybody, but heaven's not going to be the same for everybody. We're going to have authority. We're going to have position. We're going to have responsibility. We're not sitting on clouds singing songs, playing harps for eternity. You're going to have a position. You're going to have a place. You're going to have a reward. And your eternal reward is based on your little bitty temporal life. What I do in this blue segment of my life determines how I spend the rest of my life. Do you understand why Paul encourages us to begin to live with an eternal perspective? Because what you do here and now not only matters to God, one day it's going to matter to you. I mean, let's just think about it for a second. If I ask everybody in this room, hey, uh, we're going to give everybody a free car and you've got a choice, you can have a Pinto or a Cadillac. I believe most people would probably choose a Cadillac. Let's just say, hey, we're going to build everybody in here a house. You can have a little shack with no power, no running water, or you can have a mansion with all the amenities that your mind could ever imagine. Now, you get to choose which one you get to live in for the rest of your life. What do you want to live We all want to live in the mansion. Well, guess what? God's done that. God has left the quality of your eternity up to the decisions of your temporal life. What you do right here, this little bitty segment that we get so consumed with, Oh, I got, I'm living for right now. I'm living for this moment. I'm living for today. Oh, I got to get there. I'm living for the next 20 years. I'm living for my retirement. What a short-sighted vision. You mean you're living for a temporal retirement of maybe 10, 15, 20 years? Why don't we start living for this? Why don't we start living for an eternal reward? Why don't we start living for a life that never ends? Why don't we recognize that this temporal world is temporal? It's passing away. And as good and as great and as wonderful it is, I'm just going to be honest with you, I love my life. I love my life. I got an amazing wife. I got an awesome family. I got the greatest church on the planet. I love my life. But it's this. And I can live for temporal things and waste my time, my energy, my effort, my resources, my thoughts, my passion, my zeal. And when I step into eternity, I recognize that the thing that I lived for for 80 years was squandered and wasted and it was consumed by the fire because now I'm going to live the rest of my eternity upon eternity. I mean, if I could have had a rope 500 500 miles long, it would have not accurately represented how long eternity really is. Our temporal life is a speck compared to our eternal life. But here's the kicker. What you do here determines the quality of how you live here. Now, again, heaven's going to be heaven. I'm not going to say there's, I'm not saying there's a bad seat in heaven. But I am saying there's different seats in heaven. There are different rewards that we get to enjoy forever and ever 
or ever. Or we can be shortchanged for eternity because we got consumed with temporal reality. This world, really, it won't last. But it is a great opportunity because everything that happens in this world, let's look at our next point on your outline, becomes the seedbed for eternity. So the seedbed, the temporal is a seedbed of the eternal. What you sow in the temporal, right, determines what you will reap in the eternal. I've got 80 years to lay up eternal treasure. I got 80 years to determine the quality of my eternal life. Think about that last little statement. Your forever life is determined by your temporal life. See, when we begin to set our minds on things above, that's what the scripture encourages us to do. Set your mind on things above where Christ is. All of a sudden, we begin to live with an eternal perspective. We begin to look at our lives, our choices, our decisions in the perspective of eternity. Not what I want now or even for the next 10 years or for the next 30 years or not even how do I want to retire, but how do I want to live forever? What do I want my eternal life to look like? What rewards do I want to enjoy? What benefits do I want to have? What authority do I want to walk in forever and ever and ever, all because I decided now to live for the things that really matter. Again, next Sunday I'm going to talk about works that have eternal value and what that looks like. And again, we're going to be really surprised because it's a whole lot more practical than you think. It's not just reading your Bible and praying. A whole lot more practical than that. But we're going to see what those things are. But today, God wants us to recognize the value of the moment. That if we live for the temporal, we're going to miss out on the treasure of the eternal. And we're going to be robbed forever. Some of the joys that we should have, could have, would have enjoyed if we would have just recognized that I'm not living for today, I'm living for eternity. And that eternal perspective changes the way I think. It changes the decisions that I make. It changes the relationships that I have. It changes the way I handle everything from my family to my money to my own thoughts. Because I'm now living with an eternal perspective. There was a missionary that went to India. I'm sorry, not to India. To the Inca Indians. And he died a martyr. He was killed while sharing the gospel with the Inca Indians who had never heard the gospel. They had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was committed to seeing they would hear the gospel. And he ended up dying on the mission field as they thrust a spear through him and took his life. He was quoted as saying this years before he died. He said, no man is a fool. No man is a fool who sacrifices what he can't keep in order to gain what he can't lose. No man is a fool who sacrifices what he can't keep. You can't keep this life, guys. If you hadn't noticed, everybody dies. Everybody dies. You don't get to keep this life, but what you and I can do is we can make sacrifices in this life and make an investment in a life that we can't lose. No man is a fool that sacrifices what he can't keep in order to gain 
what he can't lose. Now, I want to share with you a little video, and I'm just going to go ahead and preempt this video for you. It's an old song. The video quality is horrible, and it's really cheesy. But it drives home the message of what we're talking about today, and it makes it very clear and very to the point. And so I want you to watch this, and let's just listen to what the Holy Spirit says to us this morning. Be the giving this guy I can be. 
singing that song, aren't you? Sticks in your head. I've been singing it all week long. Told you it was cheesy, little bad graphics, but boy, doesn't it make a great point? Doesn't it drive home the reality that what we do in the temporal determines how we're going to spend the eternal? And I don't know about you, I want to end up like the guy at the end of the video, right? I want to get to heaven and have all that lumber (laughs) and say, man, look what you sent ahead Store up for yourselves, Jesus said, treasure in heaven. How you build your life in the temporal determines the quality of your life in the eternal. What are you sending ahead today? I want to ask you a really important question. If you're here today and you're Christian, I know you're probably like me, you're probably thinking, man, what what do I need to start doing? What do I need to stop doing? (laughs) What are the adjustments I need to make in my life? Let me just say, it really is as simple as getting an eternal perspective. It really is as simple as beginning to look at your life through the lens of eternity and say, does this have eternal value? And again, next Sunday, we're going to talk about what does that really look like? What is eternal value in how we live our lives? And how can we build a life that has eternal value? But today, God is really challenging us to build a life that lasts, to begin to live with an eternal perspective, and begin to think about every decision and every choice and every word that we speak, and begin to evaluate that through the lens of eternity. I don't want to get to heaven and have a two-room shack. I want to get to heaven and have sent so much lumber. God said we could send up, we built a community for other people to come. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I know it doesn't work that way, but it sure sounds good in my head, right? Let's just bow our heads today. If you're a Christian here today, I want to encourage you to evaluate your life. What are we building? Are we building with gold, silver, and precious stone? Are we building wood, hay, and stubble? Are we living for the temporal? Are we looking at our lives through the lens of the eternal and saying, God, I want to build a life that lasts? So, Lord, that's our prayer today. God, help us today as Christians build a life that lasts. Help us realize this morning that how we live and what we do and what we say matters. And that the quality of our eternity will be determined by how we live our temporal lives. 
with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here today and maybe you realize that you're not building your life on the rock. Maybe you realize today you don't have a relationship with God. Jesus Christ is not your Lord and your Savior. Because let me give you some great truth this morning. It doesn't matter what kind of life you build if you build it on the wrong foundation. You can do all the right works and all the right things, but if you haven't built your life on the foundation stone of Jesus Christ and all the good works that you can conjure up will never be enough to get you access to heaven. Your sin and my sin was so great that it required one ultimate sacrifice, and that was the blood of Jesus. And the Bible is very clear that only through faith in Him we are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It is the gift of of God. Today there's a gift that you can receive. A clean slate, a fresh start, a new beginning. And today you can begin afresh building your life on the rock of Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, I realize I'm not saved. I'm not building my life on the rock of Christ. And today I want to surrender my life to Christ. I want to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins and I want to commit my life to following Him forever. I want Him today to be my Lord and Savior. I don't want to stand before that great white throne judgment and hear God say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you. I want to know Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. If that's your heart's cry, I want you just to raise your hand. Just a simple act of faith. I've never been saved today. I want to commit my life to Christ. I want to trust Him as my Lord and Savior. I bless you. I bless you. Let's just pray this prayer together. All of us out loud, let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, we believe Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. I believe He rose again on the third day. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin come into my heart and my life I confess that Jesus is my Lord and Savior in your name Lord Amen 